And so you got your Bibles, turn to Proverbs, and uh, kind of round about, I think it is 29. And uh, you can just hold it there. And then I want to just share something with you. This week, I really felt God speak to me, and it came through various things that happened. And um, I, I'm, just, I'm just so excited by God, man. I mean, He's just so amazing. But I went to go and see a friend of mine. I needed some steel, and, and I was busy chatting to him. And so I said, well, come through with me, and uh, let's go and have a look there. And, um, and for all these years that I've known him, I thought that his steel business was in one unit. But we walked through that unit into another unit, through that unit into another unit. And I think around about the fourth unit, we came, and he said, I just wanted to show you this. And and um, you know what it can do. And I was looking at a plasma cutter and things like this. Now, I like all things tools, machinery, all that kind of thing. It floats my boat. It blows my hair back or whatever you want to, however you want to describe it. And uh, so I was standing there watching the plasma cutter cutting through 35 mil steel plate and just effortlessly going through and just amazed at it. And then I, I walked over and I was watching these um, big mechanical punches just punching out all different shapes out of metal and stuff like this. Uh, metal that you wouldn't be able to even cut with. You'd need a grinder to cut. And yeah, it's just going kachaka, 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 and just popping them out by the thousands. And um, I was so impressed. I wanted to go and look at each of the machines. And I turned around and we started walking back. And, and I just said, listen, Swan, this is amazing. And it was like he, he was reading my mind. It was like he knew what I was going to say. And he just said, yeah, he said, Swan, long, long days removed from when I had that little hardware store at the bottom of Dan Road. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, it's true, it is. And um, so, and I said to him, isn't it amazing? And then people come up and just go, yeah, Swan, God's really blessed you. And he started laughing because he knew where I was going with it. And he said, yeah, you know, they think it just happened yesterday. He said, but, so we began to talk about it. What neither one of us were aware, consciously maybe, is that we were talking about the power of vision. And so every one of us sitting over here this morning, probably the sense that we value most of all of our senses is the ability to see. Everybody say see. And um, sight is an amazing thing. And uh, if you just think about the wonders of sight, of your eyeball and the nerve and the brain, it's amazing. It's a supercomputer, and if they were to produce a computer that could do instantaneously what your eyes can do, as you scan around the room, you're seeing light and dark, you're seeing color and shade, you're seeing texture, and you're seeing beautiful people, and uh, awesome, the most awesome church in the world, and you're seeing all of these things, and you're processing it in a moment of time. Now, all of you know that actually we see upside down, but your brain turns it the right way around. I mean, how clever of God, you know? Um, otherwise, <laughs> we'd be walking on the ceiling, you know? But just incredible processing power, um, and the, these things called eyes. It's amazing. The value of sight. Um, you got here today because you were able to drive or however you got here, and you could see. Isn't that right? And so sight is an incredibly, incredibly powerful thing. Now, the interesting thing is that that capacity that you have, that sense that you have, as valuable as it is, has one major flaw to it. And the major flaw that it has is that your eyes can only see this physical reality that's present here now. It cannot see the past, and it cannot see the future. And it's also limited. It cannot see through those walls. But... Um, and so as important as that sight is, it is limited. But there is another form of sight 
that we have access to, especially as Christians, that is able to see a reality that's far more important than this physical one. And that is the reality of spiritual things. The Bible teaches us and shows us that with this faculty, this ability to see, we can relate to God as well as, equally as, we can relate to one another with the sense. Because with your ability to see the invisible and to see into the spiritual, you can have a relationship with God though you don't see Him. Is that okay? And so, so seeing is incredibly important. And it was several things that happened this week that just launched, and I found like what the Lord was wanting to do was to remind me and to remind me for my own reasons and my own purposes, but to remind me to remind you. The fact is that we need spiritual sight. Amen? And so the work of the enemy, if he cannot stop you from coming to Jesus, he will try and blind you to any other further reality. He will try and stop you from seeing. The very interesting thing is that blindness is seen as a curse. Blindness is seen as a, a grave disability in the Bible, but then it becomes a symbol for those that cannot see. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 4, Paul talks about the fact that the gospel is veiled to unbelievers because the God of this age has blinded them. Come on, there was a time when you and I were blind to the gospel and blind to truth. We couldn't see it. But praise God, He came in and enlightened us. And that's the value of His Spirit. That's the value of His Word. Because the Bible says, The entrance of your word giveth light. And in your light, there is more light. And so those of us, and, and that's all of us, you know, once you begin to see, God unveils. And when you begin to see, you begin to see even more. And so that's why he said to the scribes and Pharisees, he said, woe to you blind guides because you blind and you're leading the blind and you both fall into the pit. And so spiritual sight is really, really important. So they've blinded the minds and the eyes of people so that they cannot see the glory of God in the face of Christ. And often our spiritual vision is blinded by the glare of, of what these physical eyes see. Often, our spiritual vision is blinded by the glare of what these physical eyes see. It bears repeating, very often our spiritual vision is blinded by the glare of what is so evident around us, what we see with our physical eyes. And it can bring confusion to us because we then get onto our sensory level and start moving away from a spiritual orientation. And it's really important that we protect our spiritual eyesight just as much and more than what we take care of our physical eyes. Because it's a work of the Word to bring revelation, to bring truth, that we have unveiled eyes, that we can relate to God, and that we can also know the things that God has for us. But it's also a work of the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting that in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Joel chapter 2 from verse 28, he says, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, all flesh, all flesh. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, you will see visions and dream dreams. Basically, it's the dreaming of dreams, the seeing of visions, and then prophesying. Is that okay? And uh, it might not be a palindrome, but there's also an echo over there. Because God says this, when the Spirit comes, something is going to come alive inside of you as far as spiritual realities, and you will be able to dream dreams. 
not nightmares, not pizza dreams, you know, or when you've had too much chocolate or something like that. And no, no, no. He's talking about whenever God talks from his perspective about dreams, it's dreams for life, it's dreams for hope, it's dreams for future. Amen. And uh, it's being able to hope again. And so the dream is part of the building up of your hope. And then vision. You know, vision is a little bit more substantial than a dream. Woo! Everybody say vision. Vision is more substantial. It's more concrete than a dream because it suddenly starts to take shape and it's got dates to it. It's got deadlines to it. It's, it's formed more. Isn't that right? And then for us who understand dreams and visions, then he gives us something that is really powerful, and that is prophecy. Okay? Prophesying is not just, you know, it's basically, you know, we have a dream, it's a vision, and then we start to prophesy it. You can turn it the other way around as well. You can prophesy and then have the dreams and visions. But basically, dream, vision, prophecy. Then we start to declare, you know, I have a dream. You know, I see this. Woo! God is sending revival worldwide. Amen. Miracle signs and wonders, healing. Wow. And we start to prophesy. And then God says in the book of Joel, chapter 2, He says, when the dreams are dreamed, when the visions are written down, and when you start to declare and prophesy, He said, I will show wonders, wonders in the heavens. Is that okay? In other words, God responds to your dreams, which He gives. God responds to your vision, which He gives. God responds to the spirit of prophecy, which he gives. And because he's watching over his word to perform it, he says, okay, now you're starting to articulate it. Now I'll show you wonders. I'll do something for you. Okay, so God responds. Is that okay? And so, so vision, so sight is really important. And uh, it's important for us. So amazing. So we need sight to see God. The Bible shows us that we can know. Secondly, to see truth. Paul says it in Ephesians 1 from verse 15 all the way to verse 23. Paul talks about the Ephesians that he's heard about them, and he says, and this thing I pray. And every time I think about you, I pray for you, that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Everybody say revelation. In other words, that things that are closed will be unveiled so that we can see. Amen? That we can see things that are hidden. Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. It comes from seeing. Okay, And then he says, and then further, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That spiritual ability to see. And he said, so that you can know what God has for you. Number one, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Amen. The hope to which he's called you. His incomparably great power for you who believe. That raised Jesus from the dead and seated him. Same power as raising you. So three things said, you need to be able to see that. You need to be able to see what God has for you. Is that okay? And um, so it's really important for us. And then the next thing is that he wants us to see is the plan that God has for our lives. And Jeremiah 29 verse 11 immediately springs to mind. Woohoo! Everybody say, Jeremiah 29 11. That's my verse, okay? And uh, funny enough, last night I was thinking, you know, I always quote that verse, but I never look at it in context. Let me go and have a look in the context. So Jeremiah 29 verse 11 but when I looked at the previous verses, God spoke this to Jeremiah to speak to the children of Israel. Listen to this. Listen to this. Who were in captivity. They were in exile. They were prisoners. And he said, 70 years, you're going to be there. But then God says this. But I want to just tell you, it's not the end of the story. 
Don't let the glaringly obvious facts that these physical eyes tell you, don't let it overshadow the vision because I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Uh, thoughts of peace and not of evil. And he says, the King James says to give you an expected end. It's not like the cowboy movie, you know, that's your expected end. It's not like that. No, the expected end as far as God is concerned is a, an expected end of prosperity, of a future, of blessedness. God has got good thoughts for me. And so when I have spiritual sight turned on, that's what I see, not the obvious things that these eyes are telling me. I have other eyes that see something beyond. And so there's some powerful verses, and that in Proverbs 29, where you were sitting and waiting patiently for me to get to. In verse 18, it says, without a vision, the people perish. And so one translation says they cast off restraint. And the reason why they cast off restraint is because vision focuses you. Vision keeps you on track. Vision keeps you going in the right direction. Amen? So I just want to quickly walk you through, tell you where Israel was at this particular time. This particular time, Moses raised up a Joshua. Joshua took over from Moses. Joshua didn't raise up anybody. When Joshua died, the Bible tells us, end of Joshua, beginning of book of Judges, that there was no leader and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. So in other words, they followed these physical eyes. And what was right with these eyes. So they were products of circumstance. They were products of emotion. Because there was no vision. So they did what was right in their own eyes. And then in the book of Judges, God had to raise up. And there were seven revivals. Seven different leaders that God raised up. Because the people would backslide. And then the Philistines would conquer them. They would cry to God. God would raise up a judge, a savior. And would come and deliver them. And that takes us along further into the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. And basically, Samuel was a judge. Samuel was a mouthpiece for God. Because God was Israel's king, but he needed a mouthpiece, a voice, you know. And so Israel was being led at that time by the high priest Eli. But then along comes the boy Samuel. He grows up and he leads Israel. Because then he would declare to the people what God was saying. Praise God for people that have eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen. And so I want you to look at this. First Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. And given all that I've said, listen to this. It's poignant. It's amazing. It's loaded with meaning. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Now it's just interesting. The word before there in its context means under the oversight of, you know. But if you just take it plain reading, <laughs> you know, Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so in front of Eli, and the word, listen to this, and the word of the Lord was, the word it translated precious, uh, we read in the NIV, and the word of the Lord was rare. Rare. In other words, there was not much of the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no vision or no open vision. Man, when the word is rare, there's no vision. When the word is rare, there's no vision. Now listen to it. In the Holy of Holies, where the ark was, there would be a lamp of God burning, or just before it, in the room before it. And listen to what it says there, verse 2. And he says this, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, his eyes began to wax dim. Let me say it again. When the word of the Lord is rare, there's no vision, you lose your spiritual sight. That he could not see. Come on, church. 
Now you can feel the atmosphere. It's awesome. And then look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. And let me put it into modern English. And the lamp of God had almost gone out where the ark of God was. And Samuel lay down to sleep. When the lamp goes out, when the light goes out, there's no vision. There's no word. Your eyes grow dim. Praise God for a little boy who kept the lamp burning and in whom, you know, he had spiritual sight because then God spoke to him because he was listening and he could see and he led Israel. And the Bible says about Samuel, not one of his words fell to the ground, not one of his prophecies dropped. No prophet like him. Everything he prophesied came to pass. Come on, church. In Numbers, I think it's Numbers 12, 6 or Numbers 5, 6. I, I can give you the reference just now. God says, when I raise up a prophet, I want you to understand I speak to him in dreams and visions. Now, how many of you know we're a kingdom of priests? Is that right? We're a royal priesthood. But I want you to know that we're a body of prophets because God speaks to us. Isn't that right? That's the thing about the New Testament believer. We have the voice of God. In other words, that God wants us to have dreams and God wants us to have visions. God doesn't want the lamp to go out. God doesn't want our eyes growing dim. God wants us to have clear vision and clear sight. And I think this morning, you know, it's very much like on the internet, you know, sometimes the page freezes and there's a refresh button where you can refresh the link, where you can refresh the connection and the page is refreshed. And this morning, I want us all to hit the refresh button of vision. Is that okay? Come on, let's refresh. Let's refresh as far as vision. Look, it's not the end. It's the beginning. And it's not over. <laughs> That lady hasn't sung yet. You know, it's not over until God says it's done. Is that all right? So this is not the end of the story for you if you're stuck somewhere, okay? The thing that we need, the thing that we need, we need is vision. So one of the things about vision is, and, and I felt strongly the Lord speaking this to me, and I'll share some, some examples with you just now in the time that we have available. And so we can be living our lives looking back retrospectively. We can be living out of memory. You know, sometimes I catch myself talking about what God did in my ministry in my life. I catch myself talking about the revival in 1995. And it's good sometimes to look back, to be grateful for, you know, it's good to look back even for nostalgia. It's good to look back to remind ourselves that the same God that's brought me thus far is going to take me on. But you can't live with hindsight. You can't live looking backwards. You can't live your life out of memory. Oh, I remember when God did this. I remember when God did this. Well, you know, he's got a whole bunch of stuff ahead of you. He's got some stuff ahead of you. And the danger is we live in the past. Come on, church. We live out of memory. And memory, will we can live out of the successes of the past. Well, hey, you know, guess what? He's got some stuff for us in the future. We can live out of regrets, where we missed it, where we went wrong, where we failed. We can live like that, or we can go like, oh, my goodness, those were expensive university fees, but, man, I learned. There was a man by the name of Thomas Edison, and I think some of you have heard about him, Thomas Edison. How many of you heard of Thomas Edison? What did he create? The light bulb. Amen. And uh, the amazing thing is that uh, he went through something like 10,000 attempts to create a light bulb. 10,000. Everybody say, he failed 10,000 times. 
And one day somebody was questioning on it and criticized him. And his reply, without skipping a beat, he said, I have not failed 10,000 times. I have successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work. Now, how many of you found a lot of things that don't work? Me, me, I've, I've got a university degree in them. Eh? And, uh, but, I, you know, 10,000 ways. He said, I just found 10,000 ways that don't work. So the next one, and the rest is history, as they say. And so this person that was writing the story that I found, he said, Edison is not a guy that looks back. ACF members are not people that look back. He says, even for his biggest failures, he didn't spend a lot of time wringing his hands and saying, oh my God, we spent a fortune on that. What he would rather say is, we had fun spending that money. <laughs> Learning a way that doesn't work. <laughs> and then he would step ahead and move ahead. Is that okay? Yeah. So we can live out of memory, number one. We can live out of the present looking what is around us. Now, for your homework, for your homework, Psalm 73, you've got to read it because there the psalmist writes a particular psalm. It's a psalm of wisdom and of thanksgiving. And the best way for me to explain the psalm to you when you read it, imagine it's a testimony service, okay? And just say, right, has anybody got testimonies? And up comes the psalmist, David, and he goes, ish, I just, something just happened to me recently. I just got to tell you. First thing I want to tell you, God is good. And that's what he says in Psalm 73. Second thing is he goes like, but I'm telling you in the last little while, he said, my foot almost slipped. He said, because I stopped looking at God, I stopped looking at His Word, I stopped looking at truth, and I started to look at the wicked. I started to look at the unsaved. I saw how prosperous they were, how healthy they were. He says, my foot almost slipped. I nearly stumbled and lost the plot. And he says, and then something happened. And this is the thing that I want to bring to you, brothers and sisters, is that, and the purpose of my testimony is, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't get your eyes fixed onto things. Now, read it, read it, read it. And he says, because what happened was, he said, I became like an animal that just moved on instinct. I was responding out of reaction to a situation, and it got me in a bad place. But then I did something. I went into the sanctuary. I went into the holy place. I went to church. I got into worship. I lifted my hands, and suddenly I got an eternal perspective. And I started to see things with my spiritual eyes that I was missing with my physical eyes because I was looking at the wrong thing. Psalm 73. And so we can look at the present, and the glaringly obvious things of our eyes can detract and blind us from what God has ahead. Or, thirdly, we can start living out of vision and looking ahead and seeing what God has for us. Amen. And so we can start to see a different reality. And so we need to live out of vision. Hope is the biblical picture of our future. It's very interesting that in Mark chapter 10, verse 51, there was a blind man sitting on the side of the road. When he heard that Jesus was walking past, he shouted out to Jesus, help me, help me. You know, have mercy on me, son of David. And Jesus turns and he asks the most obvious question. It's a bit like in John chapter 5. He comes to the pool of Bethesda and there's a lame man laying next to the water. And he says to him, do you want to get well? Now, when I was a kid, you'd go like, duh. You know, like, ask a stupid question. Do I want to get well? I mean, you know, so you say to a sick person, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? But, I mean, it was very pointed because maybe he enjoyed the attention. Who knows? 
And so the Lord had to heal him on the inside. But now he comes past blind Bartimaeus, and he's there like this, and he's probably got his stick. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, can I have a new cane, please? No. What did he say? I want to see. Come on, we, there's a lot of things that we can ask the Lord for right now, especially in this period. There's a lot of things we can ask God for. For me, sight is the most valuable. And I think the one thing that we need to be constantly seeing is saying, Lord, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see, Lord Jesus. I want to see what's ahead. I want to see what you have for me. Come on, we need to operate in vision. If we don't have vision, you're not going to progress. You're not going to go forward. And that vision may look different from person to person. It might not be a new career. It might not be a career change. It might be that you need to top up on your income with an extra stream. Maybe it is a job change. Maybe it is something else. But the thing is, get a vision. God has got the purpose and plan for you. One of the things that I found is that God is amazingly interested in the things I'm interested in. Is that right? He's at work in me to work out that which he worked in me. Isn't it amazing? I mean, I love metalwork, I love woodwork, and I'm amazed at how interested God is in those. And actually how clever he is, you know. And I mean, he's the best mechanic, he's the best seamstress, he's the best builder, he's the best everything. And he takes an interest in what I'm interested in. So sometimes the vision for your life is that which leads you, that which motivates you. But I don't want to get onto that. I want to just stick with vision. But I really found like God speaking to me and, and saying, I needed to just hit the refresh button myself and hit the refresh button with you and say, don't get lost in this time period. Even though it gets extended, don't get lost. The vision he gave you, it will be a reality. Is that okay? And maybe you need to refresh that vision. Maybe your vision still looks like a little hardware store at the bottom of Dan Road here in Kempton. But God is saying, no, 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 I've got multiple units with a massive steel business in for you. Because the one thing about vision is that as you move, God just lifts the veil, lifts the veil, lifts the veil, and you're constantly walking into fulfillment and destiny. Come on, church. And so whatever it is, you know, you can have a vision for your home, your house, a hobby, another car, a new car, whatever. You can get a vision for it. You can go into my office now. Bev taught me this years ago, you know, when we'd come working on the house. You know, Bev would always say, I want to do this with the house. I was dead happy with the house. You know, we bought the house. I liked the house. But isn't it amazing, ladies, wives, I want to buy this house. And then we get this house. It was all a miracle anyway. And we get in the house. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. But I thought you said you liked the house when we bought the house. You know, and uh, she's going like, well, we need to, I want to do this, and I want to do this. And then I would always speak to her out of the bank balance. I would say to Bev, there's no money. And, uh, you know, because, you know, I'm responsible for the finances, I'm the provider and all that kind of thing. There's no money. You know, she keep talking vision. And I promise you before God, I didn't say it this morning because, you know, I would hate for her to know I admitted it. But now I know some of you will go and tittletail. And... Uh, <laughs> is that I sometimes used to get very irritated with her. She, and, then, and then we're going to do this. And then I promise you, we had fights about it. Where do you think all this money is going to fall? It doesn't grow on trees. The money is not going to fall down out of heaven. Guess who was wrong? <laughs> you know. And, and so when I started to move with vision, they would say, we've got to put it out there. And I said, it's pointless talking about it. There's no money. She said, John, we've got to put it out there. We've got to say it. And God spoke to me, and I got it. And that's how we've lived our entire lives. 
And this is how it goes. You know, so, and, and there's no time to tell you about the Volvo XC90 and all that. But you can go into my office there. I'm driving that little Suzuki Jimny. There's a whole amazing story about it. And, and I, when they phoned me to say it was there because I put a thousand on deposit and then God intervened and he blessed us in unexpected ways. And I was like, okay, well, I don't need the car. And when they phoned me to say the car's ready, I was about to say no. I was about to, and God spoke to me and he said, buy the car. And I said, okay, Lord, but you need to pay for it. Because I can't afford it. You need to pay for it. And, and it became a vision thing. And there it is, the color with the black roof rack on, exactly as it is. There's a picture in my office on the board. Whenever I go into the office, I now say, not I will have that car because I've got it. I now remind the Lord that he has to pay for it. So I have got my vision, and it's a dream, and I prophesy, and he was showing wonders. And when it's paid off, which won't be long, I'm going to come to you and go, he did it again. Amen. So the Lord wants us to have vision, wants us to operate. So it doesn't matter what it is, let's operate. So because vision has got a power, and the power of vision is, number one, it focuses us. If you don't have a focal point, it focuses your priorities. It'll help you to focus your resources. It'll help you to focus your energies. And so it's really amazing when we started to extend the house, we just said, okay, and we just did it simply. You know, when you get to the 25th and you know you're going to get paid and there's a little bit of money in the account, I would discipline myself and put that money into the credit card. Those days I would draw it out and keep it cash. And so we wanted to extend and put an ensuite bathroom. And so the first thing I did was I sowed, prayed for, believed, prophesied for enough money to pay the architect to draw up the plans. Once I got the plans, I sowed, preached, prayed, prophesied, whatever I did, stood on my head, whatever, and when extra money came, I bought the window frames, and then I bought the bath, and then I bought this, and then I bought that. I bought the lintels. I bought whatever. I bought the bricks until I had enough money to throw the foundation. It stood like that for years, for years. And we were confessing, praying. You know that we lived in our lounge for two years because, you know, we were building as and when. For two years, we slept in our lounge. For two years, you know. And it's amazing. But it focused us because every time a little bit of money, because now you're looking at this half-complete building and saying, when, Lord, when, Lord? And you say, okay, less Cokes. I'm behind me, Satan. And he goes, you know, and so it has a way of focusing you. So every bit you put aside, put aside, put aside. Until one day there was a, a couple in the church and they were immigrating. They came to say goodbye. And uh, they came to us and said, what's going on there? And I said, no, that's the ensuite bathroom, which will be finished soon. So he goes, um, how much do you need to put the roof on? So I said, 30,000 rand. And so the next day, he already said goodbye. So the next day, beep, beep, at the gate, he says, here's the money, put the roof on. So I want to carry on with this a little bit because vision has a way of focusing. I didn't hint. I didn't preach about it in church. I didn't take special offerings for myself. I didn't tell you about it. You know, I'm not one of those prophets. Milk the people, milk the people, milk the people. I'm not one of those, okay? And so, you know, so whatever it is, Second thing that a vision gives you is passion. Vision gives you energy. It does. It does. It does. They will tell you. There's not one day in my life that I wake up and go, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do today. Oh, I'm so bored. I'm so depressed. What am I going to do, Jesus? What am I going to do today? Never. Never like that. Not ever. Even when I was my sickest, sickest, I'd wake up in the morning and go, Lord Jesus, what are we going to do today? And so vision... Vision gives you energy. Vision gets you to get up every day. Vision. I've always got an A4 pad. And on that A4 pad, more often than not, there's no less than 30, 32 things on the pad. 
I fill it up in the night before. Tomorrow I'm going to do this. Remind myself, do this, do this, do this. And as I go through the day, I'm crossing them off, crossing them off. And then I write out a new list of the things that I haven't done in the evening, the night before. And then I start adding the things that I'm going to do tomorrow. I never wake up without anything to do. Never. Because I have a vision for the church, for the ministry, for the network churches, for my own life. I have a vision. I have a vision for your life. I have a vision. Is that okay? And it gives me energy every day to get up. I get up every day excited. Awesome. So a vision will give you passion. It will give you energy. And so it's just amazing because of that, I get the most amazing revelations. Most amazing. Normally around 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, even just on a project in the house, I decide I'm going to put bay windows on the house. But I don't think... You know, so I work out the profile. I use some angle on it, buy some angle on it, make a big profile. This is how we're going to do it. It's going to add this much. The windows are going to look like it. So we build it up outside of the house. But I don't think, you know, how are we going to do the roof of the bay window? I don't think about that. So we build up. We get it to there. And I'm going like, so innocent, the building. He goes like, mfundis. <laughs> how are we going to put the roof on you? So I don't know. Have you got any ideas? No. And in the... Early hours of the morning, I wake up, doing, I know what I'm going to do. So we go to the hall, we get whatever we need to do, and we put the roof in. And he goes, and Funis, how did you think of this? I trained with Marion Roberts. He says, I've never seen this. Where did you get this? Can I steal with my eyes this plan? Can I have your profile? I'm going to build bay windows. I said, yeah, of course. He said, no, seriously, where did you get it? I said, you're a builder. Me, I'm a man of God. God speaks to me. Amen. I've got special access to inside information. Is that okay? And uh, very often, you know, we're working on something, and Jonathan will come in the morning. I said, Jonathan, 3 o'clock this morning, I woke up. Think, I've got the solution. But, but when you get a vision, listen, your helper, the Holy Spirit, the one called alongside, comes and stands next to you and say, I've actually got an idea for this. Uh, maybe try to do this. Maybe speak to that person. Maybe. But... Um, it gives you motivation. It gives you energy. So it provides motivation. If you interview, if you speak to people with vision, they're always highly motivated, very close to passion. They're highly motivated. Even their most mundane tasks take on significance because the end result is the fulfillment of the vision. So nothing is wasted. And Corsi and Maureen, uh, they're not looking at the lockdown. They're looking at beyond. So they're both studying furiously, writing exams, qualifying themselves, and they're using this lockdown time to do that. Because they've got a vision on the other side of lockdown, life is going to be like this. So there's no room for depression. There's no room for anything else. And so, so everything becomes significant. Everything, they're motivated because even the mundaneness of Studying day in and day out has got long-term significance. So nothing is wasted, okay? And so the next point that I want to get onto, I think is point four, is a vision will channel and help you to form priorities. It'll cause you to prioritize your values. It'll cause you to introspect and understand your strengths and the gifts that God has given you so that you can pull them all together and harness them in such a way that you can change the trajectory of your life and aim it towards the end goal and not become distracted. Isn't it amazing that what happens then is your life becomes really purposeful and prioritized because everything is going towards something. 
And so, yeah, you will think about that extra two liters of Coke because you can say, I could rather drink water, unlike Pastor John. No, like Pastor John. I'd rather drink water and put that 20 or 30 bucks aside and put it away and put it towards the goal. And so we need to understand that. And then it will give us purpose and change our priorities. It will give us a purpose. It's interesting how purpose, purpose is important. We need a purpose. We've got to have purpose-driven lives. And God gives us a purpose so that we're not just wandering around, you know, um, kind of at the whim of whatever is going on, bouncing from here to there, you know, in some massive pinball machine, you know, boom, then this happens, and boom, this happens, then boom, this happens. And then maybe, you know, by some luck, you know, you find the goal or something like that. No, no, a purposeful life. We need to have purpose. Is that okay? God created us to have purpose. I'll just give you one scripture, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace that you're saved through faith, and this is not yourselves, the gift of God, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, prepared in advance for us to do. So God has a plan for your life. Everybody say plan. All right. It's interesting that vision also attracts provision, and I'm coming to an end now. Vision attracts provision. Vision attracts the supply of God. Vision attracts God. Vision brings God into the team. It's very interesting that in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, after Zechariah gets the vision of the olive trees and the golden bowl and the, you know, the olive oil, God was basically saying to him, I want you to understand for the vision I've given you, there's a ceaseless supply of my spirit. And with my spirit will come resources. And then it's interesting in verse 10. Are you all listening? Verse 10, God says, don't despise the day of small things. Everybody say it all begins small, small things. And then he says, the spirit, these seven, the King James says, these seven, referring to the sevenfold spirit, the Holy Spirit rejoices or will rejoice on the day that he sees Zechariah with the plummet in his hand. Now, the NIV translates it the plumb line, but the plummet in the King James, if you look it up, actually means the capstone. In other words, Zechariah goes, and he goes like, there's nothing. And then it says, because of the vision, Zechariah goes and gets the capstone made, and he goes like, the day will come when I'm putting this on the top, the final stone. And he says, the Spirit rejoices. Come on, church. The Spirit rejoices when you get a vision which comes out of a dream, which you start to make a bit more substantial, when you start to prophesy, and God says, I will respond and show wonders. Is that okay? So I just want to just encourage you with this. And Jacques inspired me, not only by the video clip of him walking this week, but um, he contacted me in the week and he said, you know, I've had this vision for a long time. And this was another incident that happened this week that resulted in this message. And he said, I have a vision for a long time to play the piano. And I decided now's as good a time to do it, more or less, his words. And he said, you're free to say no, but I just want to know, can I come once a week? Because I've got no piano to practice on. And if I can come and practice over here at the church with JD's supervision. And he said, yes or no, it doesn't matter if the answer is no. The answer is always no, you know, because it's expensive equipment. But the amazing thing was, I went, I phoned JD. And I said, Jay, it's Jacques learning the piano. I said, I'm sure there's a keyboard in the studio. And he said, yeah, it belongs to Jonathan. Spoke to Jonathan. He said, yeah, someone blessed me, but I've sold it to the church. So I said, put it on its stand, connect it up, check it out. Does it work? J.D. phones back. He said, yes, it works. I said, phone Jacques, tell him the keyboard's here, and they came and fetched it. So the second clip he sent me this week, ding, 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 ding. And he's saying, progress. 
Come on, everybody say. Vision. Everybody say vision. Now listen. Listen to this. If you get a vision, there's a keyboard laying somewhere for you. That's just waiting for you to get a vision. And then it finds you. Come on, church. So there's a resource for you. And as what I've said, I've lived my life like this. When you get a vision, somebody's got something. So anyway, and so let me just see. It's a long story, but I had a scroll saw, bought a scroll saw. And then um, ended up sewing that. And then one day, I think it was Marius came to me and said, I saw the scroll saw uh, somewhere, there, and he said, would you want one? I said, yes. And I got it. And then Shireen was talking. We were talking about Shireen. She said, I think you said maybe Shireen wants one. Because at that stage, Shireen was doing some, some crafts and things like that. I said, yeah, sure. So I came and sewed it to Shireen. Now, I've sewed mine, and I've sewed the second one via uh, Marius to Shireen. Now, Shireen's got it. So she does some projects on it. Now, Amy's friend, her and her husband have hit hard times, and they've both not got work or whatever. And uh, just back up a couple of years, um, the one day um, I bought a bandsaw in workshop because I like woodwork, and I bought it. But I bought it on RCA, Resolving Credit Account with Standard Bank, where you could borrow 10,000 rand, and they just debit your account every month. So I borrowed 10,000 to buy the saw. And I used it and, and stuff like this. One day I walked in because now Amy's told me about her friend's dad, um, who has gone on pension, but his pension is insufficient, so he's going to do some woodwork. And um, Amy has a, a wonderful way of hinting by faith and just letting me know, you know, please can you pray for him, Dad? So I said, sure. So anyway, it's not even in my mind. I walk into the workshop and I look at the band, so and the Lord says to me, give it to that man, Lord Jesus. You know how long I took to pay back that RCA? You know, by the time you add interest, it's 25000 not 10000 you know? It was part of the reason why I started going cash, because it burned me, you know, to think that I'd given the bank 15000 rand or something like that. But anyway, so they loaded up. They were so blessed. So anyway, fast forward now. So the family has got a bandsaw. So Amy comes and says, Dad, look at what Renee is making. I look at her and I said, how did she make that? She said, on the dad's bandsaw. So I said, that's incredible. There's no way she can do this fine work on that she said, no, it's difficult, but she manages, and she's making it to sell. And then the Lord speaks to me and says, give her the scroll saw. So I phoned Shireen. I said, you still got the scroll saw? He says, no. I said, are you using it? And I said, said, would you mind? I'll buy you another one. Would you mind? She said, no, no, so it, so it, so it. So we phoned her. We, we blessed this girl. You must see the things she's making now. It's unbelievable. So it's amazing. And people are buying these crafts. It's incredible. And so I'm like, wow, it's two scroll saws gone. So I get phoned for a little while ago, just, just. Kind of the last days of lockdown, someone invites us for a bite to eat. So we're going to have a bite to eat. He says, come with me to the car. Opens the boot. He says, do you want this? Guess what's in the car? You'll never guess. Uh, scroll saw. I go, wow, thank you very much. Now, Ryan and Rebecca are staying with us. And I get him. I say, look what I was blessed with. He goes, oh, Dad, you know, I really. I was like, oh, no, okay. Bless you. I was just waiting for a vision, you know. Yeah, there, take it. It's like, there goes like the third scroll saw. And I'm like, oh, my word, I need to buy myself a scroll saw and keep it. And so I kid you not, a couple of days later, someone phones me and says, I've got something at my house. Would you pop around? So I go, pop around. And he gives me a? I am not kidding you. A scroll saw. And I'm going, what? Scroll saw. And I've got a scroll saw now. So I actually phoned Amy and I said, ask Renee, as she started, does she need a production line? I've got another scroll saw for her. 
No, I'm serious. I have. I have. So I'm not joking. I promise you I'm not joking. So then the other day, this guy phones me and he says, I'm upgrading. I have a brand new Metabo bandsaw that I've only used once. Do you want one? I said, yes, please. <laughs> That's the give, 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 give. Press down, press down, press down. Shake it down, shake it down. I promise you can see it on the phone. Brand new. Brand spanking new Metabo bandsaw. Okay, Jesus. This is awesome. If only I'd done that in the first place. Listen, vision attracts God's supply. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning to hit the refresh on your vision, to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what is it? If you don't have a vision, maybe assess your life. Am I standing still? You know, am I looking at what's obvious and evident with these physical eyes? Am I living out of memory what I did in the past, what I've accomplished, and how God? Or are you looking ahead and saying, man, God has, God has got stuff for us. God wants to bless us. God wants to bless you. He's got a plan for you. You are uniquely created. A unique set of gifting. An amazing history with God. You know, family upbringing, you've got values. Some of them maybe need to change. You've got values. <laughs> you know, we all are work in progress. Isn't that? And, and God says, but you are just the person I need. We can't afford to sit back. We can't afford not to have a vision for our lives, for our walk with God, for our ministry in the church, ministry outside of the church to run us, for your personal life. God wants you to have a vision for your personal life. He wants you to have a vision. And you'll find it's amazing. He's amazingly interested in, in sewing in needlework, in baking, in whatever. He's amazingly interested, and he'll get alongside you, and he'll assist you to get it fulfilled. So of all the seeing that you do, let's see the future. Let's see what's ahead. Don't let the enemy blind you. Don't let him pull the wool over your eyes. And so my prayer for you this morning is, the Lord bless you. I speak vision. I speak eyesight. My prayer for you is Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Him better. Then the stuff, you know, the things. I pray that He would open the eyes of your understanding. That when you look at the Word and the truths of the Word, you'll go, I understand. Another way of saying spiritual eyesight is saying believing. It's another way of saying it. And that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and informed that you may know the hope to which God has called you. In other words, the vision, the biblical picture for your life. Come on, too long. Some of you have wandered around in the wilderness, aimless and a bit directionless. Some of you have taken six steps back and two steps forward and whatever. But the hope and the riches of His glorious inheritance, all the things that God has for you, which is in the saints, and His incomparably great power, for you who believe. In other words, for you who see. His power for you who see. And that power is the same power. The same power working in you and for you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that will resurrect you and place you into vision. Is that okay? Yeah. Hallelujah. Say, God's not finished. I have a vision. Come, let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Did you get something this morning, church?
I want you to hit the refresh button. Can somebody just press reset to say reset? Reset. I tell you, this week God stirred me up for, for ACF again. I just I can't wait to get going, you know. <laughs> and so we, that's why we're pushing the live stream. Can you believe 102 people praying together on Friday night? So we're seeing miracles. Wednesday night live stream growing. Testimonies are coming in on from the Wednesday nights. God is still active. Come on, God's not trapped by COVID-19. God is not in lockdown. Amen. He is only unlocked when we don't believe. But that's why the psalmist says, let God arise. Well, the prophet says, let God arise and scatter his enemies. When does God arise? When we believe, when we allow him. Amen. So I speak blessing of you. Just let's just raise our hands and say, Lord, I receive fresh vision. Say it. Say, Lord, I receive fresh vision. Like Bartimaeus. Lord, I say, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to see all that he has for me. I want to see clearer vision of what is ahead. I want to be available for the kingdom. And then I want you to mention your personal vision. Say, Lord, help me to accomplish this. Come on, it might be a job, house, car, upgrade, this, whatever, um, an extra income stream somewhere coming along. You need to facilitate your income, whatever it is. Just say, God, just I, I, I want this, Father. Help me to, I, and Lord, give me that vision and, I, and show me the way. Give me the wisdom. Give me the wisdom. I'm going to take my eyes off of what is evident. I won't let the glaring reality, what my physical eyes see, stop me from having spiritual vision. Father, in Jesus' name. And we all agreed and say, Amen. Come on, just look at somebody and point to them and say, It shall be. It shall, it shall be. be accomplished. It shall be accomplished. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make you strong. The Lord give you insight. The Lord give you understanding. Whatever it is.